that's on your mind and peanut butter <laughs> is on my mind. <laughs> Sorry. Peanut butter is, pervades the landscape. <laughs> there's peanut butter everywhere in here, Diane. Have you, have you checked? There's peanut butter way over there in that corner. There's peanut butter out in the kitchen. Peanut butter on the stairs. Peanut butter. Everywhere. Peanut butter. But what are you going to do? I mean, it's a Saturday morning. You want to be relaxed. You want to, I mean, peanut butter, I think, has a sedating quality to it. it there's a, must be some, whether the tryptophan that's in Turkey, and just talk about, you know, it's that kind of a thing. You have some peanut butter, you relax, you know, you take, you're able to take it easy. You're able to assess the day from a perspective that's got, you know, light coming in through the blinds. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Making the speckled thing on the floor amidst all the peanut butter. And, uh, ah, ham and eggs. I don't know, I think peanut butter might be like the fountain of youth or something. Some, a, a, a quantity that is, uh, has hidden medicinal powers and, and uh, great potential for spiritual uplift. Your ability to just go off on some bizarre tangent is... What pretty pretty. This is this is central to our <laughs> our being. I mean, when you think about the place that peanut butter plays in our life, the space that it occupies, you know, it's fairly central. I would say I I don't know how I would get through the morning if I couldn't have a spoonful of peanut butter. My life would be irrevocably altered, and uh, I think I would have gone down a darker path. Those are my thoughts at this time. While I, while I prepare to say, It's! And I'm not quite prepared for that, so. 8.46 a.m. Saturday, May the 29th, uh, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane show. Hey, you did it that I got time. My, I got my, my thingy back. What got is, your oompapa and your calliope Maybe back. that's it. Maybe I've just got oompapa. Maybe I just slept really well last night, Diane. And fortified myself with peanut butter. Not that I want to circle back to old topics now that we're moving on into the facts and figures of another hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Over to you, Diane. Facts and figures? The facts and figures of another <laughs> hectic week. That's right, my friend. So, well, we, well, indeed, deep subject. Let's jump in. First of all, yeah. we have put the art back on our walls. Yeah, our kitchen is like, I, I don't know, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's like a, it's like a geographic orgasm out there <laughs> of some kind. It's like a, it's like a room. I'm still waiting for it to fly off into space, <laughs> looking for a better place to hang out because it is. Uh, it's like a fully self-actualized space now, you know? And there's still finishing touches going on. Including, Including. one of the things that has <laughs> that is really exciting to me, and I was this just is, talking this is about... Like, this is like Dostoevsky here. Get ready. It's like, you know... When Bill came over to live in Seattle, in, in our house, our, our very, 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 very fine house... house. Um, he had a lot of his dad's 
paintings that he wanted to hang. And I was thrilled to hang. I love having the original art from Bill's dad and from Bill's daughter on our walls. And not to mention your your art and Mr. Well, no, I know, but at at first it was just uh, incorporating the art of your family is what I was Mm -hmm. trying to get at. No, I know that we have my original art and David Pulaski and right. Ginger Reddington right. behind us. But uh, when Bill brought these over, there was this one painting that I absolutely loved by his dad that is of a, a jug. and like Hanging a, off a shelf in a little barn shelf somewhere. Yeah, you know. with a little tin, a dented tin cup. Right. And, and a, I and love... And a cork hanging down. Yeah, it. it's just... There's something about the colors and everything that I always thought was almost like some sort of Renaissance painting, even though it was of an ordinary And it's got kind topic. of a renaissance kind of sense of perspective to it. There's something about the perspective in that painting that I think my dad thought was not quite right, which is one of the reasons, what you have to understand about the artwork of my dad's that I possess, all I have are his rejects. All, all my sister and I were left with were the paintings that wouldn't sell or that he had chosen not to show because of some flaw that he saw in the work or something like that or damaged ones or something like that. So that's what we were left with. Some My dad's best paintings are scattered to, to the winds and all I have are little old Polaroid pictures of them, you know. And so the ones that I have that have become important to me over the decades since my dad died, since he's been gone for 30 years now, they've grown in, in importance to me, even though, and partly because they, they were the paintings that, for some reason, he didn't quite think were, he wanted out there representing him, you know. And uh, that's, that's a part of my dad's personality that I always admired, and uh, so I like having some of my dad's artwork up. We have been hanging this this painting. This painting in has the been kitchen. hanging in the kitchen, yeah. And it seemed like a good kitchen painting because it's about. It has qualities of domesticity. To yeah, it. yeah, sort of. And refreshment and all that. So, but when our kitchen was painted white, and we put the painting back up. I just felt like it was so heavy and I realized that I just said, can we reframe this? Because it just, the, the frame that was around this, this painting was dominating it. It's, it was this very heavy, dark. It's like a piece of furniture. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that artists in that era, which was the seventies and uh, eighties, the local artists that were showing at the shows that my dad would show at and making the sales that they were making invested a lot in the frames, yeah. thinking that the frames would help sell the painting. Well, frames are expensive to yeah. do, too. Right. So, but I just A lot I of my dad's old paintings it. have these clunky, yeah. big, wide, dark frames on them. So I said, well, could we reframe it? And Bill said, well, let's just take it out of the frame just hang the canvas. And just hang the canvas. And yeah. I hadn't even thought of it because I didn't know it was a stretched canvas. I thought it would just be flat. Right. And I just, it made a huge difference. And now I just feel like, wow, 
it's an entirely new experience so to see that. We're in the process, or it's starting to occur to us that we need to liberate my father's artwork from the furniture that it's been, you know, imp- it's been encased in for all these decades, and that's not that's a nice it idea. It feels like freeing these beautiful paintings from prison. <laughs> I just free the hostages. I don't know. It was a, a incredible experience to see that. Well, there you go. And it is a nice, it looks, it looks way better on the white wall now, that's for sure. So that's been a big part of our week because uh, hanging the art back in the, on the orange wall, because the art that was in our kitchen were were a few of my collages that look striking on on this this orange background. The orange wall makes them pop. So that was a very exciting moment to hang the art back up on our walls and see the difference in in how this looks. When I walk into the kitchen, I feel like this is like the kitchen of my dreams and (laughs) now it's here. It has arrived. Other than that, uh, I've had a very busy week at work because we are now short-staffed and and interviewing for different people. But uh, my project today is to lay out the Ancient Victories publication. And speaking of artists, the thing that is so fascinating about this particular issue for me is that Tom Ogburn, who is a was the person who designed the the cover art for many Victory Music musicians in the 1980s, is our feature. And I just find that my fascination with all arts, the visual arts, music, film, they all have something to do with each other. Mm -hmm. Like when you're watching a film if you didn't have the music no matter how good the story it's going to fall flatter than when you have a a really wonderful soundtrack i have often thought i just want to watch the films of some of the my favorite soundtrack artists because they seem to choose films that will represent their their sound and uh the same with for me, with musicians choosing their cover art, I've long thought how all these arts marry each other in various ways. And so for me, this has been a fascination. I don't know whether other people would be as fascinated by this story as I am, but I was truly fascinated by the story of my questions were how does a graphic artist even work with the musician to come up with a to concept? Come up with a concept yeah. Because it seems very interesting. <clears throat> I know that I've been with you since you've been working on your own album covers. And the, each album cover that I've been present and watching you decide is, is based on a lot of things that you want to represent on that album. Right. And... I just have been so amazed at what a professional can do. I I think about Night Sky. If you yeah. didn't have, like if I just tried to do it, 
I would have come up with something that would be passable. But to have somebody who has an artistic sense and knows how to do things in a graphic way, it made it so special, the, the concepts that he came up with on your album design. So, right. so for me to be able to actually interview an artist about how they do that, and I also was really interested in how did the, the change in format of recordings uh, affect a graphic artist's design because you went from this wonderful size yeah, that was almost like creating a, a piece of, of let's say... Hangable art. Hangable art. Yeah. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. A lot of us say. had album covers hanging on our dorm room walls. Exactly. And, and then to have to go down in size to like the cassette albums or into... The, the CD liner notes, and now to just have some little teeny tiny digital representation, I just feel like, what does that do to the artist's uh, mentality? And so that is what this article is about, and I just found it to be fascinating. I'm, I hope that other people find it as fascinating as I did. Um, and I think it's because to tell you the truth, I, I always uh, look at Wikipedia stuff, and I even looked at, up information about uh, album covers in the Wikipedia. And they have a whole history of how, you know, because it used to be in the 78s, they just had a little paper sleeve. Yeah, but they and, also put them in albums where there would be cover art because right. an album meant a collection of four or five of these 78 RPM records. So you'd have like, if you had four, you'd have like eight tracks on your album, but they were in a big folder, these, these paper sleeves. And that's where the term album came from was from, because it's more like a, it was more like a photo album. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it has been so interesting to have, uh, an artist weigh in on this. Yeah. And. Because they come at it from a whole other angle. And I would imagine that the movement from LP to cassette and CD was just a horrible thing it for was. graphic artists. You know, having to scale their work, and, you know, knowing that it's never going to be seen any bigger than that. Anyway, it was it was fascinating to do that. So that's where um, what I'm working on right now, yeah. and yeah, it's been a very busy time for me in the last couple of weeks spans I've been uh, I actually just got through giving these presentations that my job uh, I've been doing it all through the month of May and so I'm just freed of that in addition to my normal work and and then I'm going into the layout so it's been a it's been a hectic time yeah. and like amphetamine right. for me right and I have the pleasure of prepping for a Treehouse concert coming up on Tuesday. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, and I've been, I've been, you know, I've decided that I want to do these monthly now because people are starting to get out more in summertime. It's still light up until 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and, you know, so people are more likely to be outside and wanting to do things outside, especially since, you know, 
it seems like the vaccination level is getting to a place where people are able to be a little more bold, myself included. And I want to, you know, I don't want to have the indoor only mentality persist, you know, yeah. exclusive. So I think doing them once a month is a, is a better thing. But I've been having withdrawal symptoms is what I wanted to say. I've been having, I've been jonesing. I've been, you know, and it's nice to desire it and to want it and to, you know, and to have a sense of anticipation in yourself about these things. But I always did week to week anyway. But it became more of a, a pattern that shaped my, my entire week. And to think that now maybe it'll just be one week of the month that is patterned that way, I think I, I'm okay with that because that'll give me more time to do some other stuff. So that's what Bill's been up to. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. What was I doing most of the day? Yes, we were dealing with you, boy. things, oh, talking that's with good coffee. people and having Zoom calls and stuff like that. And there's, you know, it's like there's all this stirring of the pot going on in terms of my, my family life and my, my close friends and stuff. And things are just like, it seems like this, a, this is a period. Of, and with you, uh, the, the changes and the things that you're studying and, and it just feels like there's this big shift going on uh, on a lot of levels, not only in my life, but in your life and in the lives of the people that I'm closest to. And it just feels like, wow, what is, what is bubbling up here? It's a lot of stuff. You know? I have been continuing. It's part of my... My self-assignments, actually, for my life coaching about retiring. I don't think that our society provides enough ways for you to explore the the very real (laughs) fears that people have about retirement. And and so it it is a self-assignment. I'm just trying to figure things out through my own what I am doing to uh, to deal with my fears is going into a lot of philosophy. And I just love it. It is so enriching. I've been reading this book by James Hollis called Living an Examined Life. Um, I've, uh, and I've been reading the, that aloud to you. Um, after I read a chapter, I read it aloud to you, so it really sinks in. Mm-hmm. And we have been re-watching The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell, which I don't know how many times I have seen that. Yeah, and I had it on cassette, uh, audio cassette, so it was just the soundtrack of the, of the shows, and I used to listen to those in my car back in the day. And I had it on CD, I think, too. I, I practically have parts of it memorized, right. but still, each time I watch it, I'm seeing it from a slightly different facet of the diamond let's say and and it has been so nourishing it just feels like soul nourishment to to uh, revisit that so yeah it's been it is a bubbling time but i in some ways with this this big a transition because i believe that retirement is a huge transition for everyone it's and it's we, not like any of the other big life passages that you pass through on your way there. It's completely unique unto itself. So there's no pattern to follow. There's no template from an earlier round of happenings that uh, you can use. 
And I was, I was telling Shelly, my life coach, that there is so much intertwining of all the things that we are participating in. The, particularly the comedy, the comments on comedy that, that Bill Woolham has been sharing with our Westminster Basement group. Yeah. That has been a very life-enhancing group interchange. Everybody is feeding into this wonderful discussion. So, and everything is memorable to me about what everybody is saying. Who knew that the literature of comedy would be such a life enhancing (laughs) uh, aspect of this period of my life? But it has been true. Just realizing that comedy is about vitality and goodness and regeneration and the collective effort and uh, when bill woolen was talking to us he was saying tragedy is isolation and uh and a downward spin and decay you know but but comedy is all about regeneration and the collective and parties yeah yeah it's so. true. It's an interesting time to be alive in so many respects. Today's music is actually uh, influenced by the fact that I'm working on the publication of the Victory, I mean, the Ancient Victories, and the Canope Brothers actually have a new album out. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And I just was so tickled by that because... Oh man, I love the Canope Brothers. I love them, their music, and I love them personally. They are just speaking of comedy and regeneration and joy and goodness yeah. and vitality. They are it, man. Yeah. And so the choice of the music was easy for me today because of uh, because I wanted to do one of my happy. My favorite songs ever is Happy. happy. We talk about happy yeah, all do. the time. Yeah. Give me that <laughs> all broom. All the time. And since we've got a very happy kitchen. Exactly. Now. That's why. Yeah, I understand. I and understand. then the other one uh, is just because we have uh, been forgetting so many things. Why did I come down no. here? What yeah. is... <laughs> What is, what am I trying to do? Really? I didn't bring my my key fob for the car. I have to go up two flights of stairs now to get go back up and get my key fob because, you know. And now I've got to get on to my, you know, my my task at hand. I'm sorry. I've got to go. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess if you're busy, uh, maybe we could go to another room and talk amongst ourselves. I'm not sure what we would actually talk about. What did I do with that thingamajig? Is it square? No, it isn't square. Does it flare? No, it doesn't flare. It ain't square, it don't flare. It ain't shaped like a pear. It's just a little old thingamajig. Is it round? No, it isn't round. Is it brown? No, it isn't brown. It ain't round, it ain't brown. It don't make any sound. It's just a little old thingamajig. 
sing a little more cuz we're happy 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 mama gave me that broom I'm so happy I could clean my room Are bald. They're very bald. And the steering and the engine ought to be on a shelf. Say if you drive the thing, boy, you're gonna kill yourself. But I don't care if the whole car collapse and I'm sitting in the road with it in my lap. If I can count my fingers and I still got five, gonna play this guitar and sing this jive. About being happy, 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 mama. Give me that broom, I'm so happy I can clean my room. Whoa, 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 whoa